check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua, and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter, and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film, and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Episode 84, Give Me the Hot Sauce, rolls on. It is now our pleasure and privilege to welcome in the head coach and general manager of the WNBA champion, Chicago Sky, James Wade, joins us on Give Me the Hot Sauce. And coach, I'm sure you never get tired of being introduced as head coach of the WNBA champions. Take us back through that process last year during the playoff run. You guys were a 500 team during the regular season. You caught fire at the perfect time. No, it never gets old. You know, thank you for having me. Uh, that was that was a special moment because that's something that never has never been done before. And you know, we've we've had teams in the history of our league that go on runs, uh, finish with a record above five hundred, and they get they get there, but they never they never won it. And for us to finish the job, it's a big difference in just make it to the finals and winning it. And um, you know, to actually uh, be the last team standing. Um, it was it was just about our, our buy-in and our trust in, in one another, not just in the system, but in each other. And you can you can start to see you started to see that uh, throughout the playoffs after we won one game, and then after we won a second game, and so it just started to build our momentum and uh, build our confidence in each other. It, it was a rough season because we started off behind the eight ball with like three of our main players injured. Mm-hmm. And so we had went on a stretch where we lost like seven in a row. And um, once everybody got healthy, we went on another run where we won seven in a row. So really nobody knew who we were. And then we kind of had our, you know, peaks and, and valleys throughout the season. And like we didn't reach 500 to like the last game of the season uh, because we, we, we had lost three out of four or something like that. And uh, we just, you know, decided uh, amongst each other and, we changed some things schematically that I felt that would um, make us a little bit more of the aggressive team. And, you know, it's like, I, I don't know, it's like a person in, 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 in a fight that, you know, on, that doesn't have strength left. They have one punch left and we just <laughs> decide to throw a big one. You know? yeah. and that's what we did. Yeah, yeah. Talk a little bit about the expectations. Now, you won the championship. There was buzz when you guys, you know, were out here celebrating, and everybody was so excited. Uh, the playoff run, the fans came out and supported. Uh, coming into this season now, and and the expectations now are up. You're not surprising anybody. Everybody knows who the Chicago Sky is now because you're the world champions. Tell me what the expectations were like and what was that first training camp like being champion? Uh, so it was, it was pretty – I thought it was pretty cool. We we were, we went through a funny like 
off season because we celebrated and then two months later we had free agency and we had eight free agents, seven free agents. And so basically, you know, it was about trying to secure our core. And so we had a lot of work that we had to do in December, January, and February months uh, where we were trying to put our team together. And it was evident because of the WNBA's hard cap, we couldn't keep everybody. Yeah. And so, and after that, you know, a uh, good feeling wears off, you know, it's like, yeah, we won now, you know, let's, let's run this back. And, um, we have a hard cap. And so you have to sacrifice, um, you know, money and, you know, what players worth on the open market and playing with the right team. And it's just tough, you know? And so that was what we had to navigate and bring in the team that we brought together. And we feel like we, we, you know, put our team in a good place where we brought back all five of our starters. Um, three of them were free agents. And so, um they wanted to you know run it back and we were able to you know bring in another finals mvp from washington dc uh that won finals mvp in 2019 we got a couple of free agents uh via trade couple uh, a free agent from overseas and we felt like we had a team that could potentially compete for a championship um and so it's a little different because you have five starters and seven total players come back that were on the championship team. Then you have new players that are hungry. And, uh, and and so you're just trying to mesh that all in. And so once you have players coming back from overseas, training camp is a little delayed because some of your main players are coming back later. Uh, so you're just trying to get everything in. So the thing we decided to do early was, okay, the thing we can do is, is uh, build our defensive identity. And so that's what we tried to do early, but we struggled offensively early because a lot of our players weren't in. And um, when they were coming in, we we had to keep on scripting stuff to kind of get the offense flowing. But uh, we hung our hat early on defense. And and now the last, I think, couple of weeks since our team has been uh, pretty much here and intact, we focused a lot offensively and, and uh, what, you know, what we're trying to accomplish offensively. So it's a, um, it's a process, man, and that's the that's the WNBA, especially when you got overseas and all that. It's not just, um, you know, uh, training camp that you have for, for four to six weeks where you can, you know, kind of build your team. You're adding pieces on uh, as you go because players are fill, uh, they're filling in later. And um, that's like, that's the challenging part of WNBA, but hopefully one day we won't have that problem and players will just be playing here in market. Yeah, Stacey, he wears both hats, so when the player wants to complain to the general manager, they got nowhere to go because he's the coach and the general yeah, manager. And, and, he's the and, final and, authority on everything. And, and that's a great thing to have, <laughs> you know, because I was like that in the CBA. And the CBA and the WMA yeah. is very similar because you have, mm-hmm. you have a salary cap. Uh, you, I mean, I've had guys leave at halftime, coach. So they said, hey, I'm going to Germany. I'm like, wait a minute, hold up, man. What are you, what are you talking about, man? You can't go to Germany? Coach, they're they paying me more money. You know, and, I, I, and people laugh. You know, we laugh about that, but it was dead serious, you know, uh, because you have to yeah. compete with the overseas market because these players make so much more money overseas. And in the CBA, guys are trying to get to the NBA. You know, they, they're missing yeah. something in particular in the game to get to the NBA. And the one thing I've always said about the WNBA, because the NBA backs them, you know, these girls shouldn't have to go overseas and play. I mean, now, especially yeah. when you look at Brittany Griner and her situation and how yeah. dangerous it is. I mean, she's been over there way too long. Uh, yeah. And these girls put themselves in danger going over, you know, overseas and playing in Europe. 
Yeah, man. I mean, it's it's tough. I actually coached her for for three years uh, there in Russia, man. And it's um, it one day it's it's going to come to a time where they're not going to have to go, and and we feel like right like right now with the viewership, even from our final series, how it exploded, and uh, this year we've we've already had a game this year where uh, we've beaten records as far as. Uh, how how much audience has watched us on ABC and that's been more than in years past and so we feel that you know each year that we we've added four more games to the market uh, schedule and we think that's only going to go uh, even further and they're going to add two teams in the next couple of years um, so this thing is going to be a major league where players they're probably going to stay over here and, and be in market and I think you know uh, we're going to start seeing players get the recognition that they deserve. And and um, I just assume that with that, with that recognition, then you'll see everything else that follows. So um, I, I think we're just in the beginning of something special. So I'm just excited to be a part of it for real. Yeah, Coach, I wanted to ask you about uh, coaching Candace Parker. She played the bulk of her yeah. career with the L.A. Sparks, of course, won a championship, was league most valuable player. And she, I covered her when she played high school basketball at Naperville Central, and she was she was such a dominant high school player, it was unbelievable. But the question I had is, she's making more money working for TNT than she is playing for the WNBA. <laughs> she comes into training camp, and a lot of people, I think, looked at it as, all right, she's just winding down her career. She's going to come home for a year and you know play in front of her family and friends and, and not be that serious about it. But she was one of those players you talked about that was injured early in the year. What's the dynamic for you trying to make sure you get the best of Candace Parker at this point in her career? I mean, it's, it's, it's like that, man. You have somebody that has basically carried the league for so long. Um, you know, just imagine LeBron James, if he's doing something extracurricular, uh, you know he's still going to bring everything he can to the basketball court. It's a level of professionalism and talent and skill that uh, can't really be matched. So, um, it's just endless energy, man. She she's really good at what she does uh, on TV. Yeah. I like tuning in and watching her, but um, you know, Koshner is is on another level, and and that's something that I've appreciated. And um, you you hate preparing against her when I was coaching against her, but you love coaching her because you know she's going to bring it at every turn. And she's someone that has invested in keeping her body right. She has the right people around her, making sure she's ready to play. And, and so some things that you have to, you know, you, you have to, I guess, understand that this is, this is actually bigger than what, what we're doing because she's, she's an icon on the women's mm -hmm. level and, and whatever she does actually brings light to us. You know, we're like first or second and uh, they had something today, like we're first or second and uh, uh, I guess viewership or streams or, clicks or followers in the last like seven days of WNBA teams um, four years ago before I got here that wasn't the case when it came to Chicago Sky uh, now we're one of the major ball clubs that's you know in a in a major market so uh, no it's it's um it's, it's something that comes with the territory when you have her so you got to take all that good stuff that she brings and uh, just try to help your team grow uh, in the best way possible.
Well, I tell you what, watching a women's basketball game is awesome. You know, when you're having kids growing up and, and wanting to learn how to play basketball the right way, uh, the fundamentals, the passing, the cutting, uh, it's a great tool to teach young kids how to play. I used to take my kids all the time to the Sky Games when they first got here. Um, you know, one of the things I, I was watching last night, Coach, the 30 for 30, and they were talking about the, the – and that was a great – I don't know if you saw it, but that was – No, a, I have it. I have it. I have it. TV, oh, TVR, man. so that, I, I that have was, it on my, on my TV right now. I'm telling you, that was awesome. And just watching with those, just like you were just talking about, you know, Candace shining light and these, these, these superstar players coming along, shining light on the women's game, getting more people involved and getting people. Those girls were the first ones that really got women's basketball. They're the reasons why there's a WNBA. And seeing some of the things that those girls went through and the good, the bad, the ugly – it was an amazing story. And so I, I, I concur with you when you say, you know, how a, a girl like Candace Parker, uh, Sylvia Fowles, you know, some of these, these superstar uh, women's basketball players are the out in the forefront to take this game to the next level. So this group may not benefit from it, but that next couple of groups that come in will benefit. It's the same thing in the men's game. I mean, you go back to yeah. Bob Cousy and, and Bill Russell yeah. and how those guys travel and, and things. And you yeah. see where the league is now, the money that's being made now. I mean, guys making $20, 30000000 million a year, where back in the day, guys had, uh, they played in the NBA and then went and worked, worked a, a nine-to-five or yeah. a side job. Yeah. So the game yeah. has evolved. And I, I see the women's game doing the same thing. You feel the same way? Yeah, I feel the same way. And it's like you said, it's going to be, like like you said, it's gonna be the guys like you know George Mikan and Bob Cousy take it to one place, and they have this period where okay, uh, you have two competing leagues, and then you have Magic and Larry, and you have the fusion of the the um, the ABA and the in the NBA, and and now you got all these big contracts with with LeBron, and and so it steps to it, and we just have to appreciate it along the way. Uh, as much, you know, like Cheryl Swoops and Don Staley appreciating them and what they've done, Lisa Leslie, et cetera. And, you know, Donna Taurasi and, and Candace Parker, Sue Bird have, has carried this torch for the players that are maybe, you know, uh, in the 10th, 11th grade now that we don't know about. And they're going to get, they're going to reap the benefits of it. Like they're, they, you know, they're going to be millionaires playing in the league yeah. that don't have to go overseas. And, and so, uh, but it, it's, it's, it's the players now and the players before that have paved the way. And hopefully they'll always be able to pay homage to them and with, you know, stuff like they showed last night. And um, just just so we can have an appreciation, man. And, and you know, in the NBA, you see the appreciation is there too. So um, I, I love what it's building. I think it's going to be that way pretty soon. Hey, Coach, a lot of uh, Sky fans probably don't realize that you were a hell of a player in your own right. You played for 13 years overseas. You played yeah. in a couple of different countries. And you make your off-season home in, in France. That has to be uh, an, an interesting uh, life for yourself and your family. Tell us about your playing career. What, what, what were you like as a player? I wasn't that good, man. <laughs> I, I just uh, <laughs> put it like this. If I, if I was that good, I wouldn't have to get on a plane. <laughs> Uh, no, it was good. I like, I, I love the game. I was, I was very passionate for it. And I had an extremely like hard work ethic. And, uh, before it was even in style, you know, like I used to work, work out with, uh, different coaches or they'll see me running and be like, what is he doing? You know? And, 
uh, we didn't have the like the trainers and the individual trainers that you know you had to go search for these guys. You had to get your uncle to rebound for you. Yep. Back in the day, it really wasn't you know it really wasn't like that. And uh, I was like, man, I was born like before my time because this is stuff that I wanted to do. I used to have my little brother in the gym like rebounding. He he's fourteen years old. I was like, hey, I'm gonna come off this screen right here, and every time I get it, just you know. And now you see guys that's putting guys to workouts, and we didn't really have that. And, and our coaches used to, in the offseason, go on the recruiting trail. So they didn't do offseason workouts, really. Um, but I, I got I, I was I was fortunate enough to go overseas. And back then, it was you would go overseas, and it was two Americans for every team. It really wasn't like Bosmans or, you know, like European American guys with European passports and stuff like that. And, um, you know, it was – it's leagues, like first, second, third. Yeah. So you – normally you start off low and you just work your way up. And uh, so I was fortunate enough. I, I played in six countries and um, was trying to find my, my home. Uh, I, so I, I played, I played on a couple of good teams, played on a couple of bad teams, and, but through it all, it, it was some good lessons. And I, I got to make some great friends some teammates that are going to be friends for life. And uh, it was, it was good. I wouldn't trade it for anything because um, it's something that, you know, it, it helped me, you know, find my find my family, find my wife who who played who who was a French basketball player, played in the Olympics and all that, and have my son. And it opened me up to a lot of things. You know, I I'm I'm a dude from the South that didn't speak proper English, and and now I speak three languages. So <laughs> it just changed. You know, this is something I never would have thought, man. I, I never would have thought like uh, so. You know, it it changed my life for the better, man. And, and as much as it it helped me like realize all my dreams. It, it, it actually grew me up as an individual where I was a lot more open-minded than I, than I would have been if I would have stayed in Memphis, you know? Well, James Stacy speaks uh, French also. <laughs> oh man. Th- 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 no, no, don't listen to him, coach. Don't listen to him. I'm an imposter. I'm an imposter. I only speak. I, I only know dirty words. That's all I know. I only know dirty words. Hey, 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 hey dirty words sometimes. Those are the ones that count, brother. Those are the ones that count, baby. Hey, so, 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 yeah, thank you for that little thing. Chris is always trying to, you know. Parlez-vous? Come yeah, on. Parlez-vous français? Oui, oui. Okay, so give me, give me a taste of what it's like coaching women and men. Because I know hoop is hoop. You got players, you know, that's why I look at it. I mean, you're coaching high-level girls like you're coaching in the WNBA. Hooping is hooping. But – how is it different? There has got to be some difference to it. Uh, I mean, not really. It's it's a whole bunch of like misconceptions that you know. But it's really like it's really the same. Really, like uh, they want to be told the truth. You know, like you said earlier, like they just you just have to keep it real with them, and you can motivate them. Uh, but it has to be truth in that, and um, they want to know exactly what they need to do. And, um, the, the, but the, some players are just, okay, give us instruction and, and we do it. But the great players, sometimes they want to know why, because they've been in so many different situations that are different, you know, and I'm sure it's the same with the men. I'm sure you can, you know, you can tell a younger player, Hey, just do this. But with LeBron, he's been in so many situations. You're going to have to tell him, Hey, let's do this. This, this is what, you know, so it's, it's a little bit of the same, I, I think, um, just me being a guy and, and going in the, and, and, and being in the basketball world and understood understanding like what I wanted from from a coach. Uh, that's how I just try to feed my experiences from that. Um, 
Nah, it's the same, man. Same emotion, same, you know, uh, same buy-in. It's just uh, we're on a different scale because, you know, these guys, man, some of them are corporations. And, you know, it's, I, I mean, from what I've heard, it's sometimes it's harder for them to get them to buy in. It's not hard to get uh, our players because it's all about winning, really. It's all, it's all about winning. Yeah, that's and, that's um, that's big now because it's all about brands. Everybody, you know, in the NBA, it's yeah, about your brand. Yeah, and it's yeah, kind and of taken away different. from the game of what's important yeah. because is yeah. the brand more important than winning? You know what yeah. I'm saying? And yeah. and that's where I think some some of the teams that don't have success in the NBA struggle with that. I mean, think think about it. Like, you're I I, I imagine like you're coaching these 100 million dollar CEOs of companies, you know. And they CEOs of their bodies, and you're trying to all get them on the same page. But um, me as a coach, man, I'm like it's it's probably a detriment to to myself. But I, I just put winning above everything, and um, I'm going to do whatever it takes. And sometimes it's going to rub rub people the wrong way. Um, and I think with I don't know I don't know how coaching guys on the NBA level is, and you know I'm I'm good where I'm at, but. Um, <laughs> I mean, this the the women, man. They they really are passionate about the game and about winning, and about winning the right way. The players that I've coached, yeah. Uh, I I don't know how it is in other teams. I've heard stories, but you hear those everywhere. Yeah. Uh, but we we're fortunate enough, man. We have good people, and they're all about winning. And of course, you see the branding growing because it's even growing on the college level. Yes. You see all these NIL deals and uh, it's in 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 women's basketball. It's a little different because. Uh, sometimes you can have NIL deals and sometimes it's, it's more of a popularity contest. And sometimes a lot of these, I mean, not a lot, but sometimes the players can't play in the league. And so you have these great deals in college, but you get to the WNBA level because we don't have 350 spots or 400 spots. We only have 144 at most. Wow. And yeah. And so because we only have 12 teams and because of the salary cap, that cuts it down. So some teams are carrying 11 like us. So you only have 137 spots. So you have these great players in college that come out and are very popular, 60, 70, 80, 100,000 followers. And they get into the league and it's difficult for them because the players that play in the league, branding is secondary. They are ballers. Yeah. And the branding comes after you ball. But when you're in college, the branding comes early, like it comes in high school. And uh, and so it looks it looks, you know, it looks bad if you got all these followers and they know you for balling and all these highlights. And then you get in the league and can't play. Mm. Hey, last question I have for you, James. Uh, you have an interesting dynamic that uh, a couple of your backcourt stars, Courtney Vandersloot and Allie Quigley, are married. How does that yeah. uh, how does that manifest itself in day to day practices and sideline huddles when you're in a one point game? They ever go at each other in practice, or how does that how does uh, that all work? Man, they're so competitive, <laughs> and of course they go at each other. They go at everybody. They go at me. They're, they're so competitive, man. I've had like the fortune of knowing them for a long time, and um, like you know, I, I coached uh, both of them overseas as well. And so I spent a lot of time with them and um, the chemistry that they have on the court playing together. Um, you know, you see it 
and you're like, man, they they they're great. Like they 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 just feed off of each other. You have a shooter, you have a facilitator, a shooter that can facilitate, mm -hmm. and a facilitator that can shoot, and they just feed off each other, and we move at their rhythm a lot, and. You know, you wouldn't know that they were married, but it would explain why their chemistry is so good, you know? <laughs> uh, so it's like, it's like, oh yeah, they're married, but that makes sense, you know? Yeah. And, uh, because, you know, they're, they're throwing no-look dimes to each other. And like, it's it's just so, it's just so great. But it, I promise it's like a second thought. We don't even think about it anymore sure. because they're, they've, they've always been like, so in, like so involved in the team dynamic. And so, we have one like one of the best groups that you could imagine and they like they help that candace helps that uh so it's been pretty cool they're two of our leaders along with candace and copper uh you know we got some others too that have really done the thing uh z you know came back and is trying to you know find her voice in the team and stuff and now it's been it's been great man it's been great having a group and you know um I, I, I guess, you know, when they retire, I'll look for another married couple. Maybe. <laughs> it sounds like great strategy for a guy who is yeah, also not just the coach, but the general manager of the WNBA champion, <laughs> Chicago Sky. James, hey. thank you so much for joining us. Keep the success going. I know you guys are undefeated repeat, in, the, repeat. in the Commissioner's Cup, so hey, you can man, bring in another trophy coming up. So. I'm coming, baby. Let's, I'm coming out there waving the Chicago Sky town, baby. Hey, man. Let's do it. Let's, Let's do, do it, it man. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck, Coach. Great right, getting to know James guys, Wade, man. our guest on episode 84. Give me the hot sauce. I want to thank you all for tuning in. A brand new episode coming up again next week. So, Stacey, what do you always tell the folks? Drive home safely in Chicago. Beep, beep.